Welcome to the Bayesian Conspiracy. I'm Niyash Brodsky. I'm Steven Zuber, and today we have a guest, Aaron Bolton. Hey there, Taryn. How are you doing? I'm doing wonderful. How about you guys? I think you're doing wonderful because you're very high. That's... <laughs> That's usually what it is, yeah. <laughs> our, our topic today is going to be, all right, I don't know if I'm pronouncing this right, nootropics? So the official pronunciation is nootropic, um, nootropic. Um, if you but, speak Greek. Yeah, if you speak Greek. The, the community usually says nootropic. Um, okay. Yeah. All right, then we're going to go with nootropics because I like my community more than I like yeah. the ancient Greeks. It's like a whole less syllable. I think mm-hmm. it's a little bit more marketable. Okay. <laughs> so nootropics, for those who are unfamiliar, are drugs that increase the functioning of your brain. Am I getting this right? Yeah. Um, or, or just generally alter your, your mood. Some things don't really try to improve you. They just... Actually pulled better. Up, yeah. I pulled up the formal definition for this just because I knew that there was one that was fairly stringent. Uh-huh. And <clears throat> speaking of pronunciation, I'm never going to get this. It's a Romanian psychologist and chemist named Corneliu E. Georgia. Throwing that out there. He coined the, ter- he coined the term nootropic in 1960s when he invented paracetam. So there's like five criteria and it's they should enhance learning and memory they should embrace or excuse me they should enhance the resistance of learned behaviors and memories to conditions which tends to tends to disrupt them i e.g electroconvulsive shock uh, hypoxia whatever so it's supposed to make you able to learn and retain stuff even under like physical duress they should protect the brain against various physical and chemical injuries like barbiturates and scopolamine whatever that is um, they should increase the efficacy of the tonic cortical subcortical mechanisms. Not sure how he knew that in the 1960s. They should lack, not that they don't know what those things are, but I don't know how you'd measure them whilst taking a pill. Drill holes in your brain? I guess, and then just look, uh, yeah, whatever. <laughs> and then they should lack the usual pharmacolo- pharmacology of other psychotropic drugs and possess very few side effects and extremely low toxicity. So most, I think, when people talk about nootropics, they're talking about cognitive enhancers, because very few things fit all five of those specific things, in mm-hmm. case we had a nitpicker. And as a community that values intelligence and mental functioning so highly, these drugs are pretty popular. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, crazy popular. So do, do we want to start in with the, the more common ones, or did we want to jump straight to the good stuff? I always like starting off small. Okay. Because like my, my introduction to transhumanism related is like wearing glasses. Okay. Like I wear glasses. Yeah. And I'm like, then, you know, that's, that's on the same trek to transhumanism. You don't like what biology gave you. So in the same way, people are like, oh my God, brain altering drugs. That sounds terrifying. Until you say like, no, we're talking about at base things like caffeine, nicotine. Brain altering drugs sound amazing if they make your brain better. It's like people are like, why would you want to change your body chemistry? I'm like, sometimes an infection will murder me. And that is why I want antibiotics to you and me. Better living through chemistry. Yeah. To you, to you and me, but, uh, to the, the way the, the wary skeptic, they might think that, you know, tampering with, with what mother nature gave you is, you know, dangerous and stupid, but they don't realize they do it all the time. Yeah. Yeah, I, I hate that sort of thing because if someone, if someone was born with some sort of congenital defect, okay. So for example, there are, are people who have very, uh, poor attention spans based, uh, not poor, but different from from the ba- uh, baseline that makes it hard for them to function in society. And so we give them medicine, like AD, uh, not ADHD, uh, what is the medicine? Adderall. 
Yeah, to to return them back to normal functioning. So a person that I know has schizophrenia and he only functions because he is on antipsychotic medicine. So people all the time are willing to give people medicine to bring them up to baseline if they are uh, what what is considered below baseline. But for some reason, they draw the line at making you better. I'm like, why? Why is that? If if, uh, you know, if. 80 IQ is is bad and 100 IQ is better, then why isn't 120 IQ better than 100? There's there's no reason. I mean, if you wouldn't make someone who's at 120 IQ dumber to bring them down to 100, then why wouldn't you increase them the other way around if they wanted it? I can give, I think, the answer, although it's not the answer I agree with to this, Okay, which is there's a difference between helping somebody hit average peaks mm-hmm. Versus giving them a leg up against the average person. Mm-hmm. And then I guess you can, you can, the, then people have the intuitive difference between like omitting and committing crimes or acts. And so, you know, it's helping a person is one thing, but hurting a person to make them more average is, is another. So they're like, well, we won't, we're not going to hurt people, but we're rolling and help people up to, you know, average. I don't see why um, you wouldn't help them up more if they wanted it. I don't either, but you and I are too, too into it. I think yeah. that that is the common mode that people are operating in, right? Well, I think there is generally like a fear that it could increase, you know, inequality and mm-hmm. stuff like that. I mean, those are the big social consequences of, of drugs like these is like whenever you put it in school systems or places where a performance enhancer can just completely separate one child, mm-hmm. you know, kids mm-hmm. from another kid because one of them was taking a drugs. Right. Um, then all of a sudden everyone has to take the drug. Yeah, totally. To we should up. get into that later when we get into our downsides section. Well, since I can't resist jumping on it really quick, yeah, I, 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 I knew somebody in high school who could survive great on like four hours of sleep. Oh my God, I hate those and people. And yeah, I'm super jealous of her. Yeah. Um, so I don't hate but, those people. I, I wish I was those people. <laughs> but the rest of us could take Adderall or Ritalin and get to where she's at for mm-hmm. the most part. You know, there's a couple downsides. Our sleep wouldn't be as restful or whatever. But people, that's like not you know, as far as we're talking about like making things average or whatever, that doesn't seem to be like enough of a reason to get someone on drugs. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I want to be as awesome as that, you know, outlier is. So I think the, the whole point is to kind of make it, you know, somewhere in the middle. So like if you couldn't function without it, like you said, if you have, if you're taking antipsychotics or if you're taking uh, well, it's basically, you know, like speed with a PG rating, if you're taking Ritalin or, or Adderall, but it, if you're a person with ADD or ADHD that like chills you out rather than speeds you up, it's actually really interesting if you've seen somebody who on with pretty severe ADD not having taken their meds. They're just like you are if you've taken too much Ritalin, oh. at least the couple people that I knew. But then they take it and they're like, oh, God, I feel better. And it's like the opposite of a cup of coffee for them. I see. Okay, so I, I understand the downsides of, of getting reliant on a drug. For example, uh, steroids. Uh, if we're bringing this back to body stuff, which is much easier to understand uh, than mental stuff sometimes, because you can see the effect that steroids have. They, they literally grow the muscles on your body. Athletes that use steroids outcompete those who don't by a mile. St- if you're in a... If you're in a sport where story steroid use has been normalized you have to take it to compete uh like bicycle uh bicycle racing is famous for being uh one of those sports where you have to cheat because everybody else does not necessarily with steroids but in some way and that all that does is now make it so that originally when people have sports competitions it's so that we can see uh who's the best right 
We, we want to see people competing and, and being better than each other. And so if one person takes steroids, then he's the best now and everyone has to take steroids. So basically, we're all back to where we were before with everyone being more or less in the same uh, relative field, except now everybody is taking steroids, which might not be that bad a thing if there's no downsides to steroids. <laughs> but unfortunately, there's a lot of downsides <laughs> to steroids, which is why you want to keep steroids out. Uh, if there were no downsides at all, it might not be that bad of a thing. Uh, if there were no downsides to steroids, it might be a good idea to give everyone steroids from birth so that everyone is much more physically fit and able to do a lot more things in their life than they would otherwise be able to. Totally. And I, I think that's where nootropics were originally. Like one of the things that he put in his definition whenever he invented piracetam was that it was a really, really low risk profile. Mm -hmm. And I think for a long time, the community really kept with that. And they were, you know, a lot of people just re researched stuff that had really, really low risk profiles, but gave you only like marginal gains. And then people would come in with modafinil and, you know, it doesn't have a non-existent risk profile. You know, it, it, it has the risk profile of like a proper prescription drug and, it gives you a much larger boost. So, so people are now willing to accept stuff like microdosing and, and you know, prescription drugs that have just huge risk profiles on, on long scales whenever you're talking about taking them. Yeah. I, I basically don't uh, believe in a drug with no risk profile at all. Yeah. Because from what I've heard, caffeine has more of a risk profile than modafinil does. Oh, I would, I would totally believe that. Caffeine's risk profile is huge. Yeah. And, and you know, a lot of people, whenever you hear about nootropics, think that a lot of them are going to have risk profiles that are around like caffeine and stuff. But like Nuopept, it's, it's incredibly low. Piracetam, it's lower than sugar, you know, as far as your like lethal dose for 50% of a population of like rats and stuff like that. Um, so it's just incredibly safe. So let's discuss the first nootropic that basically everyone is familiar with being caffeine. I wanted to say when you said risk profile, I think we should expand what that means a little bit because the first thing I'll think the first thing I would say to argue that is like, well, I know lots of people who drink coffee every day and live to be 95, right? Mm -hmm. So, well, I don't know that many 95 year olds, but a handful. <laughs> so, yeah. risk profile doesn't necessarily mean will kill you, but uh, has negative effects. Like, sure. one of the major negative effects with caffeine is that it is addictive. That's and only negative if you can't get any more caffeine. <laughs> said every drug addict ever. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but it, it, th that is definitely a downside because the withdrawal symptoms suck and because due to the body's natural ability to get used to anything, eventually the caffeine doesn't have that much of an effect anymore and you're just taking caffeine to stay baseline. And that blows because you wake up in the morning and you're like, I'm a zombie and I have to take caffeine just to get back to normal. Whereas if you'd never gotten addicted, you would just wake up and be normal. And have the exact same thing as the guy after he drank caffeine without that beginning area where you have to dose in order to be normal. That's where I try to be with my caffeine usage mm -hmm. is to have it where it's a boost for me and not a get out of bed thing. Mm -hmm. Now, basically, I take like 100 milligrams in the morning and sometimes more later if I need a boost. Yeah, you're an addict. But, well, yeah. But, oh, okay. But I, I, <laughs> I mean... I mean, I, I can I, tell I know, that I, I have a low-level addiction, and I just have one or two cups of tea a day. I don't know if addict is the right word. I mean, it's it's the accurate word, but I don't know if it's the right word to throw around in this situation just because, I mean, it's not... What, I mean, it doesn't paint the picture of, you know, a a crack addict, right? <laughs> so, um, yes, do I need it to feel good? Yes, but uh, it's not, I think, I mean, yeah, the withdrawals suck. What am I trying to say? It's not... 
It's addiction, but it's not that bad. Come on. Yeah, and, okay. No, no. I mean, there's a lot of things that aren't that bad. You can lose a finger and that's not that bad, but eh, you'd still rather have the finger, right? I feel like we're, we're, I don't feel like that's a very fair comparison. See, I kind of think it is a fair comparison because I, maybe this is just me, but I would be willing to risk one or, or lose one or two knuckles of one of my pinkies if I was not addicted to things anymore. I, I think maybe this is just due to my experience of having been a uh, cigarette smoker for, I don't know, 10, 15 years. But having that leash around you, that th- this chemical controls your mood and requires you to go out and have some more of it every few hours, or you are just grumpy and unhappy, the, the freedom when I finally broke that addiction is amazing. And that is the same reason I try to avoid things like caffeine, because having having my neurological state controlled by something else really sucked. And I mean, yeah, like you say, it's not a big deal. You can just go out and smoke or go out and have caffeine whenever you want, but you still feel that leash around you all the time. It's the lack of freedom. I feel the same way if I don't get lunch, right? Yes. Like I'm not, I'm not trying to be pedantic, but you can't but break your lunch addiction <laughs> <laughs> or a good night's sleep or something. Yeah. But yeah. So, all right. Point, point taken. And I, and I see where you're coming from. Certainly that dependency is kind of annoying. Mm-hmm. I guess it sort of depends as far as where I'd say if I have a problem with it, like how much is impacting my life. I spend, let's see, 180 pills is like $10. So sometimes two pills a day. So I spend maybe 10 bucks every two months on caffeine. Mm-hmm. So like that's not really hurting me that bad, right? right. If I spend it's eight bucks a day, you know, getting two Starbucks or something, A, I'd have more problems than just my caffeine addiction. <laughs> but um, You Starbucks drinker. Well, no, I meant like, because I, oh yeah, this isn't something that I, I should have spelled, spelled out. When I drink coffee, I need to feel the diabetes coursing through my veins with every sip. Ah, okay. So like I get the, give me all your sugar, all your cream. I want it to hurt. So <laughs> if I was drinking two Frappuccinos a day, I would probably die. So, and not from the caffeine. Right. Um, but yeah, okay. Where, where were we going with this? Caffeine something. Uh, Risk profiles. Yes. Right. But it's also, it's also not stuff that you have to necessarily see immediately. Like whenever you came off a caffeine binge and you're really exhausted and stuff, the brain is something that we don't really understand a lot on, on a neuroscience level about how it works. And so there's things that can increase like markers for tumors. And that's not necessarily they're saying that they're increasing the likelihood of tumors. They're just increasing the thing that we look for whenever we're looking for tumors. Um, and so it, it's hard to really see what these chemicals are always doing. And, and you know, a tumor is not going to show up for 20 years. So, I, I mean, you can do some real long-term damage just because a lot of these things aren't really, really scientifically looked at with the microscope. You know? I don't know. It's the long-term damage that I'm kind of most afraid of. I honestly, for for... With my experiences, it's been the, the really long-term damage has been the stuff that I've been least uh, afraid of. And, and, you know, maybe that's just me being ignorant. Um, <laughs> but uh, it, it's part of the whole longevity community is, is, you know, we're kind of waiting for leaps in science to be able to, okay. you know, cure a, a lot of the things that might come up, hopefully. Um, and if it can help me perform better and and just generally not even just performance wise just generally have a better quality of life you know that's a that's a small sacrifice yeah the idea that like well maybe in 20 years when my liver finally dies i can totally it'll be be 200 bucks and a weekend off work (laughs) and and bam new liver so yeah fingers crossed (laughs) fingers crossed and if not you had a good run on your way so (laughs) 
So uh, I guess the first nootropic everyone is familiar with is the caffeine. Mm -hmm. And the effects of caffeine are generally to uh, help you think faster in, and concentrate easier. Yes? Is that yeah, the case? Yeah, pretty much. It, it stimulates you. It just, it just kind of wakes you up in a more like slappy in the face kind of way, you know. The alertness kind of ties into all that too, right? Yeah. I, it, this is pretty, pretty much a good example, but it's hard to like belabor without sounding pointless because everyone probably is familiar with the effects. So, you know, it's, it's the opposite of waking up tired. If you yeah. have too much caffeine, it's you're, you know, instead of being sluggish and withdrawn, you're kind of like jittery and just super awake. Mm -hmm. So yeah, caffeine, I think is one of those things everyone's pretty familiar with. I read a hypothesis that one of the big boosts of the enlightenment era was that back then access to clean water was kind of restricted. And so people would have to drink things that made the water purer. And the big popular one before was always alcohol. Mm -hmm. uh, it killed the stuff in the water. You get a nice buzz. Everything's great. And around the period of the Enlightenment, people started switching to uh, coffee and tea instead. Mm. And so uh, all of a sudden, your, your thing that purified your water, instead of making you slower and dumber, made you faster and smarter. And people started getting together and just talking about things. And they're like, oh, hey, let's do some science on this. <laughs> it's kind of no surprise that, I mean, historically looking back, that the, the Enlightenment didn't take off 500 years earlier because everyone was drunk all the time. <laughs> yeah. Or at least buzzed. Like, I couldn't imagine waking up and only drinking wine all day. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, even if it was like lightly watered down, you yeah, know, whatever. They generally were. But, but even so, mm -hmm. you, you're, you're just getting a, a, you start the day with a buzz and it never, you know, just, it stays there. You probably are desperate for it in the first thing in the morning. So, you know, as long as you're comparing addictions, Inyash. <laughs> <laughs> Yours is much better. <laughs> Mine kicked off the enlightenment. Yours so. <laughs> did. That's, it's got that going for it. The other one people are fairly familiar with is nicotine, and I am not a big fan of calling that a nootropic, but a lot of people do. Oh, yeah. Uh, would you like to explain why? I honestly don't know. I think it's just the stimulating nature of it whenever you're talking about like lower doses. Like a full cigarette is nuts uh, as far as dosages, as we just found out when we Googled how much nicotine is in a cigarette. But, 8 to 20 milligrams per cigarette. Yeah, and so, then like, I mean, on, on a nootropic level, you're looking at like one and, and like maybe like two milligrams or something like that that, right. that people typically dose. So, I mean, it, it's, it's a lot lower, um, but it's stimulating. You know, it wakes you up kind of like how coffee does. Nicotine right. does this interesting thing too, at least in my experience and some reported online, but it wakes it kind of makes me more alert when i'm tired and for most for many people they smoke when they're stressed because it chills them out when they're stressed yes i've heard it, that it's sort of just kind of maybe if you're if you're you know like if you max out at 100 uh I, i'm trying to draw this little scale in my head if you're too high it brings you down if you're too low it brings you up but it, whatever that midline is is above average the thing about nicotine though it it lasts very short oh yeah it's, yeah. Half -life. it's a it's, few yeah, minutes yeah. nothing yeah i i, I don't think it's worth it for that in that regard and also it just isn't nearly as effective as anything else and no in I'd my say, experience I'd say it's it's probably on the higher end whenever we're talking about it, at least like the original um, definition of these things like the things with really low risk profiles it, it's it's leaving that space and going into the thing that you know has a higher risk profile but it has a much higher effect um like a, a typical dose there was a point where i was in that really low risk profile stage and I was taking like maybe eight things a day and that was almost bringing me up to maybe a cup of coffee, you know, or a little bit of nicotine. So it, it's, most of these are sub, sub perceptual. Um, you can't really 
tell. The other thing with nicotine that I would stress is that we're not necessarily talking about smoking cigarettes. So like, <laughs> the, well, there, there's a whole bunch of baggage that comes when you're when you're burning stuff and inhaling it that way right. versus other ways of taking it in. Yeah, vaping is one common way that has by far less medical complications. My current way of of taking a nicotine is I chew a little bit of nicotine gum now and then, mm-hmm. a little bit most days. But I buy packets that are two milligrams per piece of gum, and I have half of one, I have half of a gum at a time. So I'm I'm looking at like one milligram of of nicotine, maybe three four times a day. And how long does that last you? How long does like the the feel of it? Yeah. Oh yeah, just a you know, few minutes. Yeah, maybe half an hour tops. But that's because yeah, the, the really, release on the gum is way slower too than like a puff yeah. on a cigarette. So I I really I I know this is my own prejudice speaking, but I really don't think it's worth it for for. For the mental aspects, oh, the thing. Okay, have you guys read Friendship Is Optimal? Yes. Okay. Uh, so I never finished Friendship Is Optimal because the uh, one of the protagonists is a researcher, and she points out how dedicated she is to this because she is smoking cigarettes to increase her her mental abilities. That wasn't like the first chapter. Yeah, I know. I didn't. I, I didn't, didn't get, get far. Very far. No. <laughs> uh, and and to me, that was like this is an excuse that an addict uses. That that is not uh, smoking is a, a cigarette is not a good way to get nicotine at all, and it, it 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 frustrated me. I think the in my opinion probably the most um, uh, useful thing about nicotine is the addictive profile of it. Uh, nicotine, one of the most addictive substances that there is, uh, psychologically speaking. When I was quitting smoking. Lots of times I would simply uh, like put a paper clip or a pen or something in between my two fingers like you hold a cigarette and bring it up to my lips and that would help relieve the craving a bit because I, I had a, a bit of a psychological addiction to the physical motions that happen while you're smoking. And I've heard that the nicotine can be very useful for that. If you don't like exercising, but you really feel you need to take nicotine when you get on a treadmill and after a couple of weeks of this, you will start having a physical need to go and get on the treadmill uh, for that. So yeah, if you want to condition yourself to do stuff in, in an obsessive way, the nicotine is great for that, but it is, it is just so addictive that even the things you're doing while you're taking the nicotine become addictive. And I, I don't, I don't think it's worth the risk in oh, any totally. sense. Yeah. I, will, I will just qualify on friendship. On friendship is optimal. Yeah. The protagonist started smoking because she anticipated her lifespan on earth being a few more months. Yeah. So she was like, well, I'm going to burn the candle hard at both ends and get this shit done and get it done right and work 16 hour days or whatever. Right. Yeah. So agreed. That is, that sounds like, you know, and a, addictive thinking, but, but the, I didn't get that impression at all from from where that character was actually going. Okay, and, and from what we were talking about before, the 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 how fast you get the nicotine in a cigarette and how much there is is really counterproductive if you're not already a smoker. Like I, every now and then, I'll still have a. Uh, we were just saying every now and then, I'll still have a cigarette at a party, and I will take one drag, and I will get lightheaded and have to hold on to something because you get a lot of nicotine <laughs> really fast if you're smoking it, uh, and. So the scientist lady, if she is taking that as, as smoking to, to be an enhancement, she is getting dizzy and not able to do things for a while, or she's already a smoker and she has a tolerance and therefore it isn't helping her in any way except to keep her from getting really grumpy due to not feeding the addiction. Maybe the author didn't smoke. Uh, well, yeah, yeah. Or, or possibly he really enjoyed smoking. Yeah. I don't think there's too many people that would argue that smoking, specifically like smoking cigarettes, yeah. is nootropic okay (laughs) that that's obviously like like it's not measured it's just like 
I feel I feel like the obviously addiction. I feel like the dare officer who comes into your school now and tells you not to smoke. Sorry, you're also anti caffeine. Beating this horse. You're also anti caffeine. Are you pro anything? Uh, I am pro clean living and exercise. <laughs> exercise, good- my new tropic, sir. That, that, it, it is. It's it's, it, it's one of the more powerful ones, and yeah. that's. You know, but there's one of the more time consuming ones too. Yeah, totally. And that's the thing is you're sacrificing right. so, so much time. Like if you want to, cr- I mean, so I like, I'll triple down for a test with nootropics if I'm taking an exam or something, or if I've got something really important I need to be doing, but you can't like, well, I'm going to go for, you know, 90 minute run <laughs> and then I'm going to sit down and take this test or I'm, I'm going to try to take it while running. Two years yeah. before I take this. <laughs> <laughs> Exercise really is awesome. Oh yeah. That, I, I mean, then, I meant it as a joke, but. Yeah. Totally. Sleep is, is another one that yes. people don't realize. It's just like, that's really the most you can do mm-hmm. as far as increasing your ability to think straight. It, it's just getting the proper amount of sleep, drinking the right amount of water, and then, you know, eating right and exercising. That's, that's by far the and best. Not, not damaging your sleep. Like, do not look at any backlit screens mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. at least a half hour before yeah. going to bed, preferably an hour or an hour and a half. And do not drink caffeine within six hours of going to bed because it can damage your sleep too. I try to do all the sleep hygiene things, but I haven't, I sleep through the night maybe twice a year. Oh, wow. Yeah. I'm typically like, by that, I mean where I go to sleep and then I have no awareness until I wake up in the morning. Mm-hmm. That happens every six months tops. Huh. I wake up two or three times a night, usually just to toss, like just to rotate or something or whatever. But I'm, I don't do really do that thing in movies where they're like, huh, where am I? What time is it? I'm always like, either I'm unconscious or I'm like fully alert, yeah. but I can, you know, if it's the middle of the night, I can turn it back off and go right back to sleep most times. I know. But I, I, I always think about like I wonder how that impacts me not sleeping well all the time. I'm probably that can't be great. <laughs> I would imagine not. I, I know that I move when I sleep because when I wake up I'm in a different position. But uh, unless I'm sleeping with someone, I don't ever like remember it. I don't wake up enough. I think I just do it while I'm unconscious. I'm sure I flop when I'm like unconscious too. But there are times where I'm like, oh, I rolled off my pillow and I'll get back onto it or something. But mm. yeah, I don't know. It's it's a thing. You it's might just there. be one of those like unicorn people who only needs four hours. I'm not though. I'm so tired. (laughs) 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 But no, I mean, I, I get by, it's not debilitating. It'd be one thing. Like if I was up for an hour, every time this happened two, three times a night, but that's almost never the case. How long have you been using stimulants? I mean, I've probably been drinking coffee for 12 ish years, middle of my teens. Do you think if you're like to wean off over the next few weeks and then just take a month with no stimulants at all, see how your sleep is affected um as far as the caffeine part i think i mean like i said i'm on 100 150 milligrams a day right now which is less than a medium cup of coffee so i mean i don't know and i have it first thing in the morning i don't know if that's gonna hurt my sleep that much i mean i know the half-life is six or so hours yeah, probably but not if you just only have it in the morning yeah it, i mean i, it, I it, could it, give it a shot but then i'd be then you're asking me to go without caffeine so we already <laughs> talked about how much of a problem this is yes but maybe I'll give it a shot. Maybe it'll be a lame couple of days, but couldn't hurt. So, so we've been beating around the bush for a half hour because what everyone really wants to hear that came to this podcast is modafinil. Modafinil is like the star child of the nootropic uh, community, and I have never used it as far as I know. And so I am coming into here as far here, as you know. I, I, I'm yes. <laughs> Maybe I used it once and blacked out because it was so intense. You were so in a flow state that you just like the whole day was yeah. gone. What we really should have done was I should have brought over some this morning. Nope. You could have had some and then nope. we could have talked about how you felt on the air. Not sure I want to take that experiment right before we record a podcast. For science. 
For science, Ineos. Fine. For science. <laughs> I mean, it's too late now, but it's next true. time. Next time. Okay. So uh, I am going to be the noob in this situation, and you guys are going to explain modafinil to me and why it's great and what it does and etc. I'm a noob to Terran, so you're up. It's, it, it's where it really shines is probably whenever you're sleep deprived. So any, any time that you didn't, you know, get a good night, if you were out partying or something like that, you can pop one and it'll usually take you back to like around a hundred percent. Like if you, if it would have been like a 50% day, you can get pretty close to fully functional, if not just a little bit higher functioning. So I think that's really where, you know, the original intent of the drug is and then where it, it, it was originally developed for narcolepsy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Or like night shift workers and stuff like that. Like people with weird sleep cycles. Um, not weird, but just like, you know, against the norm. So um, it helps a ton if you've missed sleep. It, it's incredible. Can um, you really. just not sleep ever if you keep taking it? No, no, mm-hmm. totally. It, it's, it's more only. <laughs> displacing sleep. It, it's taking sleep from somewhere else. It, it's taking energy from your next day and just applying it today, essentially. So you could go like, I'm sure there's people who have done like three day binges or something where they just didn't get any sleep and, and you can operate at a really high level for those three days, but then those three days are up, you're going to crash hard and you're going to, you're going to need to rebound and get a lot of that sleep. Maybe not all of it, but you're going to need to get quite a bit of it back. I think there's less to do with modolphinil, more to do with skipping that much sleep. Yeah, totally. So if if you have like a good sleep cycle, um, you're willing to not like overdo uh, the drug and, and you know, you just go about your day regularly. It, It can be pretty, pretty, cool how how it brings you above baseline could you take it regularly to cut your sleeping down to four hours a night or is that not a good idea either it's any anytime you're messing with any of these i would say always get a regular amount of sleep just just to be safe so what happens if you take it on a day that you are fine you don't have any sleep issues does it help in other aspects yeah you just perform better that's really the only way to describe it is just like most things that you do are easier to do hmm. and and happen i'll say that i know at least one person that doesn't do anything for and i think yeah, yeah actually, totally yeah there's so, non-responders yeah your mile your mileage may vary but for me it you like you said it makes it easier to do things and i i love it if i could get it every day i totally would oh, totally. Um, well i i guess i could get it every day i'm not sure why i'm not taking it every day um, so don't do it so don't definitely don't do that I, yeah because that's, that's sort of it i want it to be you know a treat for my brain if i need a good day mm-hmm. so what it, yeah. what it does for me is it doesn't take me outside the bounds of a day that I've had normally, but it puts me in like my best cognitive days that I ever have. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I have one of those, you know, maybe it's on the same days that I sleep through the night a couple times a year. I feel just great. I'm sharp. I'm on point all day. Mm-hmm. This just, it's one of those in a pill. Wow. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's, it's awesome. It's not like taking Adderall where or any amphetamine for that matter. Yeah. Like in e- fact, even the current ones like Vyvanse, they're incredibly clean drugs. Modafinil is, is, just so much cleaner. Uh, it doesn't bring you to 150. It just brings you to like 110. Yeah, it's awesome. I think even when I've seen it marketed like for on-label use, it's it's labeled like under this weird category of non-stimulant alertness aid. Mm-hmm. And that's that's a good way to put it. It doesn't make you jittery. It makes it just really easy to focus. And just whatever that, you know, that feeling you get in your head when you're burning energy doing something cognitively it just feels like you have more of that, like a lot yeah. more. Like I've never run out on a, on a modafinil day. 
So, I mean, you can sit there and whatever it is you're doing, you know, I think one of the things to keep in mind is that you might want to plan what you plan to work on before you take it, because it makes it pretty easy to get, for some people, makes it pretty easy to get immersed into whatever it is you're doing uh, or whatever it is you're, you're going to end up doing anyway. So planning your day out and be like, all right, well, I'm going to take this, then I'm going to go and write for six hours is a lot easier than saying, well, I'm going to take it, hang out for a couple hours, then go write for six hours. Cause the next thing you know, you've spent a lot of time focusing <laughs> on something unproductive. Yeah. Spent the last eight hours optimizing your operating system. Right. Or like one time I did take it and I stayed at home and played Skyrim all day. Mm -hmm. And it was probably the most immersive Skyrim play I ever had. <laughs> and uh, like, so it was a lot of fun, but it wasn't, I think, an optimal use of my time. But it, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, some people, you know, I don't, I don't typically use a lot of marijuana, but actually I never use a lot, but um, I don't typically use it at all. But I know people, you know, who smoke and play a video game or something. It's kind of like that, but this is the opposite of the opposite effect. Probably I'm not, you know, you're just, I don't know. It's, it's hard to, it's, it's like having too much caffeine, but minus all of the side effects, you're not jittery. You're not uncomfortable. You, I mean, as long as you're drinking enough water, you're not going to get a headache. Let me qualify that for, for my personal experience. Once again, your mileage may vary. We're not doctors, etc. So that's said, I've also only overtaken hundred milligrams at a time. Yeah. So typical doses for nootropic use are between 50 and 200. And I think the prescribed dose is between like two and 600. So depending on how bad your narcolepsy is or how bad your work shift disorder is, they could give you, you know, three, four or 500 milligrams a day. I've only taken a hundred. So one of these days, maybe I'll take, you know, two, 300 and just see how I roll throughout the day. But <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Taryn is shaking his head. <laughs> I have no idea why you're shaking your head. All right, so let's talk about the risk profile of modafinil. Uh, well, uh, or why the, are you shaking your head first? Then we'll just, talk about the just risk because profile. you can have. I mean, overstimulation is a really bad day. Um, you're you're constantly dehydrated. Uh, the headaches are, are crazy. I mean, on, on modafinil days, I usually try and drink at least double the amount of water, and I drink about like two Nalgenes of water a day normally. So, I mean, your water intake goes way up. Your, your, your body burns really hot on this thing. And honestly, we really don't know anything about how it works. Um, so it, it was interesting that you said it was a non-stimulant. It was like awareness promoter. Is, is that what? I think the, 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 it was, this was amongst my other medical jargon, but it said non-stimulant alertness aid. Alertness aid, yeah. And so I think what they mean by that is that you don't really get increased heart rate. So I took, a, let me jump on this really quick as far as stimulant alertness. I took um, a coworker a couple years ago gave me, I don't know how much, whatever he took. And he's a 220 pound bodybuilder, a Fedra. And if he hadn't told me this is going to feel pretty intense, I, I, and like if I just felt this way without knowing why, I would have gone to the hospital in a yeah. heartbeat. What is yeah, a Fedra? It's, it's been banned a couple of times. I have no idea how, in what form he's still getting it legally, but there's some legal way to get it. It's basically, uh, I should have looked up the, the, fancier basically definition adrenaline yeah it's basically adrenaline oh. like it, it but like caffeine's kind of basically adrenaline this is more and more of that yeah but it's, so it's the point where racing. like oh yeah yeah it's, like some some intense. like professional athletes had heart attacks and stuff so they banned it at some point and then now it's back in some other form anyway the entire time like my palms are sweaty like i felt like tunnel vision is probably too dramatic but i definitely had some perceptual impacts my heart was just pounding like I could feel it I could I was perspiring and I don't I'm not a very sweaty person so like the fact that like I'm wiping my forehead and noticing that I'm sweating was like I said if I didn't know that I was to expect this I would have gone straight to the hospital it was like a four-hour panic attack yeah. it was I mean you know well the shortness of breath was I mean panic attack might be too severe but it was like a very mild panic attack for four hours it was 
a nightmare. I can see the benefit if you're trying to push through that last eight hours in a 56 hour shift or something insane. If you're driving cross country and want to do it all in one go, but I can't imagine using that at anything like a regular, that was the one time and I'll never buy it. Crazy. So as far as modafinil being a non-stimulant, this, this was, I don't remember the cognitive benefits of the ephedra because the physical ones were so bad. Um, <laughs> just remember a crappy time. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a nightmare. And I, I don't remember what the hangover was like either. I'm sure there's one of those. I don't really experience a hangover with modafinil either. Yeah. Um, but I yeah, take I've it moderately. There isn't really any hangover? There, like I said, there totally is. Um, if, if you're abusing it. If you're skipping and, sleep. Yeah, totally. If you're skipping sleep, like the hangover is, is your sleep, um, essentially. So if you skip that out. So what do you guys use it for? I use it to have good cognitive days. Should I have the need to have a good cognitive day and like not be able to, since I've never been able to pin down over the years, what factors lead me to have a great day. This is just one on demand. So, you know, whatever it is, crunch time at, you know, work or school or whatever, but I don't know. What do you, what is your day to day? Yeah. The the same thing. It's just a good day in a pill. I won't won't usually take it on days that I'm not working. Mm -hmm. One of the nice things that separates modafinil and most of the other, nootropics is that those are going to be kind of like a rolling better. Like you're just going to kind of always be a little bit better. Um, whereas modafinil, you can flip it on and off. So if I want to have a day, like go to the botanical gardens or something and really just enjoy something like that. Obviously you don't want to be like trying to count how many flowers there are in the botanical gardens. That's not really the point, but, but for a work advantage, it's just a crazy distinct advantage. How often do you guys use it? Probably two or three times a week, somewhere around there. Um, usually on like the weekends or like my really busy days. Um, but then some days I'll just, or, or some weeks I'll just take the entire week off. You know, I'm sure there's been like a month at least where I didn't do it at all. It just kind of depends. I haven't used in at least over a month. Uh, it's A, I don't have that much. And B, it is the sort of thing where since I'm not doing anything currently that demanding Mm -hmm. that taxing it just feels like a waste yeah um definitely but there's one more thing i was going to say about modafinil and it's not coming to my oh this should be i guess disclaimer this is a prescription drug yes uh, that you can only get prescribed for for a couple of the you know the reasons that we mentioned otherwise you know and this use is off label it's not like you can't go to your doctor and be like i want to feel good all the time great here's some modafinil um (laughs) unless you have a really cool doctor but (laughs) and um, and and just buttloads of cash um this is it's incredibly expensive okay so Um, i've heard that it's incredibly expensive if you get it through the prescription route like between two and twelve dollars a pill or something yeah but I've also heard that India does not really give a shit about the copyright claims on the modafinil molecule, yeah. and that is where most people get it. Mm-hmm. How much? How much does it cost when you're willing to, you know, hit the gray markets? Speaking purely hypothetically, of course, because none of us hypothetically from from the people you've talked to. From the people I've talked to, it's about a dollar a pill, um, and a pill would would for people like Stephen and I be about uh, two doses. So about oh, 50 cents, 50 cents a dose. dose. Um, but yeah, if, you, still if more you're, than I expected what it's still more than I expected. Yeah. I thought it was in the order of cents. Well, I guess 50 cents F- is, I mean, cents. 50, yeah. it's t- if, if you ex- experienced it, it's totally worth it. A 50 yeah. cents a pill <laughs> <laughs> or a 50 cents a dose. I would um, say that if I 
if it, if I'm, you know, weighing it out and I was taking it, you know, how many times a year, I'd probably five bucks a pill sounds at least fair. Oh yeah. Like, I definitely. mean, it, when you think I'll pay, you know, five bucks for a, a cup of Starbucks, I mean, this is, this is a whole different level of, different of performance. Level. So yeah. And, and I, I would certainly, even if it wasn't so ridiculously cheap, I would still probably be doing it on the same usage schedule that I use now. Cause it's so helpful. Yeah. Oh, definitely. But yeah, it, it's, it's about 50 cents or a dollar a pill on, on the gray markets. And then like $400 about for 30 of them on, on a prescription. So I've heard and, that and if you get your prescription people, filled at Costco is way cheaper for whatever that's worth. Hmm. Um, and I believe people can just Google biomodafinil and it'll bring them to places where they can get that, right? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> is, is, is so there, I've heard. <laughs> is there anything, any places they should avoid? Um, I would I would say avoid getting modafinil unless it's prescribed to you by a doctor. Okay. Um, probably it, it it is something, or unless you're willing to be a guinea pig. But but you definitely need to know full well going into it that you're guinea pigging yourself. Um, this is something we we literally don't know how it works. We don't even know how to begin. We think that maybe it has something to do with dopamine, but it's just, there's so little that we know about it, but it's effective enough that people are like, you know, screw it. I'll I'd rather just be a, you know, make a lot of money and then pay for whatever problems that would arise from my modafinil usage. So do, do you get it in pill form? Cause I've heard a lot of people mm -hmm. just buy the raw powder really cheap and cap it themselves. Yep. There is other, analogs to modafinil that are completely legal um you can buy the the doses are a little bit higher and it's so much less predictable um and i think that's really where that at least has has a big con um, but to answer your question i've never heard of buying powdered modafinil of you yeah yeah um, there's i mean there's modaf the the afinils little asterisk afinils family there's Tons of them. There, there's thought, at least thought, ten. I've had powdered adrafinil before. Yeah, adrafinil's um, the the but, analog. But specifically Moda, the the stuff that you specifically get specifically modafinil. I'm sure you can get it, but there's I mean there's flomodafinil uh, or flodafinil, amoradafinil, like flom. Uh, there's just a bunch of different afinils. Are you guys familiar with Gorn at all? Gwern. Okay, so Gwern has uh, some um, notoriety, hmm. some level of fame in the community for uh, writing really long, data-heavy, intense posts on things that he gets interested in. Uh, just a treasure trove of data and uh, too much for a, a noob like me to hack through in an afternoon. But uh, he did a whole thing on uh, nootropics. New, uh, and uh, he has special uh, sections for modafinil and for melatonin specifically because he says those two are uh, amazing. Needed a whole lot more on them. But uh, when I was reading through his nootropics post, he said that the adafinil is just really kind of hit and miss and so not nearly close to modafinil that you're better off not even bothering with it. Yeah. Oh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't never bother with it. It has to be metabolized before it can actually turn into the modafinil. And that's the part where it gets really unpredictable is you don't know how long it's gonna take for it to hit like your liver and stuff like that. And so it's just, it's really hard to know what to expect whenever you take that. That said, adrophenil is perfectly legal. You can yeah, buy it at, yeah. at uh, licensed distributors online. Totally. Um, like Nootropics Depot or other places. And I took one this morning. 
300 milligram pill. Uh, but the thing is, they're like a buck a pill too. Yeah. Not on buy it in powder form, mainly because the powder is pretty expensive. And the little mechanism that I used to have when I did powder my, when I did pack my own pills with powder is it's slightly wasteful. And all of those were like basically small crystals too. This is just straight powder that I knew was just going to get all over my keyboard or all my, all over my desk or carpet, wherever it ended up. So I figured that, you know, I'd save the time and no doubt wasted product and just get it in pill form. That said, I get an effect from modalphanil and I do get an effect from, or I do get an effect from modalphanil. I wonder if there's a one-to-one or a near one-to-one relationship there. Cause I know the same person that I know who doesn't reflect react to moda also doesn't moda is short for modalphanil because alphanil sounds a it's hard to say and b it sounds the same in all of them um but the edraphanil didn't affect her either yeah so totally uh is just an analog for modalphanil so what it happens is you ingest that drug it goes into your your body and then once it hits your liver it actually just turns into modalphanil Mm -hmm. um that's like a really simplified explain it like i'm five version um but essentially yeah so so she just is a non-responder to modafinil and then once it turns into that it's not hitting her just the same for sure i guess what i was getting at too is that if you wanted to guinea pig yourself without breaking the law this be a way to try it yes oh definitely but you know side effects you know are there you may waste your money you know it use responsibly all that i hate to put out stuff and then have someone, you know, write in and be like, Oh my God, this was the worst thing ever. You know, I lost my job or, you know, (laughs) like I was chewing my fingernails and whatever freaked out, you know, like, I don't think that'll happen. You know, the rush from these things is pretty small, but you know, just, just use responsibly, you know, like you would any, you know, if someone came to you at a party and be like, Hey, I've got this cool new drug. You want to try some do a, you know, what would you do? You do homework. You would, you know, use small if you were to use some after your homework, you know, you'd start low and then, you know, whatever. So just be smart and be safe. I can't, I can't, not I've heard it that. is technically illegal to have it without having a prescription as well. Apparently, some guy uh, got was in his car. He'd been drinking a lot. Uh, I don't know. He shouldn't have been in his car if he'd been drinking a lot, right? Uh, but the cop stopped him, and he had some modafinil on him. And I mean, it's it's basically a harmless drug, right? But he got uh, slapped. He had modafinil or drafinil? Modafinil. Oh, okay. Uh, but he got slapped with a felony charge. Yeah, for, totally. Yeah, for holding it. And I thought... Well, that sucks. So uh, I guess don't carry it with you. Yeah, it well, in your house. Yeah, it's a prescription yeah. drug. Yeah, modafinil um, is. Adrafinil, the stuff I was talking about that you can't get online, is yeah. not. So, so not this, technically, like there is there is chemical analog laws that would probably, if, if, I if mean, somebody really wanted to argue it, they, un- could, they could do that. Unfortunately, that's the case with almost everything, though, yeah, right? Yeah, totally. Like, you know, if, if you get a judge, you know, who really wants to fuck you, you're going to get <laughs> fucked whether yeah, they have to totally. make up charges or not. So... So this uh, Nootropics Depot, is there like a community there, people that talk about this stuff? Um, that was just, I mean, I was Googling around for places to buy stuff and that came up. I don't know if I, I, I I'm not prepared to plug that as the best place to go to. Yeah. Okay. Maybe Taryn has a better better resource. Um, uh, I've heard that slash our Nootropics, people talk yeah. about their experiences there a lot. Yeah, there's a yes, subreddit. They, they probably have great links. So um, There is a, a longevity. It's like longevity, but the vidi is changed to city. Um, and that I think is is very much a, a, an informed, and they take a very scientific approach to testing this out. Um, so that's what I would say if you're looking to really get into like get into the woods of this stuff, that would be a good research to or a good uh, resource to to learn a lot. I wanted to mention I haven't taken a I haven't taken adrafinil for at least over a month either, but I took one today because I wanted to have some very fresh in my mind conversation things to hit. So. And, you know, Are I you also feel- woke up tired this morning, so it was like, perfect, <laughs> let's do this. Are you feeling the effect? Yeah, this one is much more of 
I mean, it's almost placebo. Like, okay. like, especially once you've had the real deal, it's, this sounds like, you know, <laughs> this sounds like you're talking, you know, Walter White meth versus whatever, but like, it's like, yeah, I guess, you know, it, I mean, it's kind of like double caffeine tea, you know, like you, you probably won't notice the big difference, you know, just cause it's, well, you know, it's still my usual thing. This one, it's hard to say probably a bit, but it's not as pronounced. So it's, I mean, if you get anything from this, you'll probably get something from, from Modolphinil, but you know, again, your mileage may vary. Are there any things that you would warn people away from doing? Um, I'd say if you, if you're looking at this field, you made a, you made a pretty compelling argument for nicotine. Yeah. Stay, stay away. I would stay away from the stuff with the, with the higher risk profiles. Anything specifically in, about in, modafinil in, in general, anything specifically about modafinil that people should avoid since that's probably the really popular one um so if if you're going to do it if you're if you're absolutely like you're dead set on it uh your water intake is just incredibly important like i was saying um sleep and actually making sure you're getting the right amount of good sleep um and not just like closing your eyes for eight hours Um, those those are the two big things that i would say to really watch out for and then take it lightly like it, it is a very good experience for most people so you will want to just live there wow. <laughs> um, and, and you know, that can get unhealthy really fast. In Gwern's article, he mentioned a poker player who would use it almost daily, two yeah. to 300 milligrams. And he said after about a year, his body simply adapted and it doesn't do things for him anymore. Maybe I did read that post because that exact sentence sounds very familiar. Okay. Maybe I read a synopsis or a synopsis of it somewhere. Um, the other thing with modafinil is take it first thing in the morning. Oh, yeah. definitely. I don't think we spelled that oh, really? out. The half-life is like 15 hours. Okay. It'll, it'll be with you the whole day. Okay. For, for a lot of people, if you if you do like, like he was talking about doing a 300, I bet you probably wouldn't sleep if, if you did that. Yeah. And then you'd be going through a work day the next day, just kind of screwed. That's why I would do it soon because I don't have, I don't start my job for a month. So <laughs> congratulations, <laughs> by Yay. the way. Oh, yeah. Steven yeah. is now gainfully employed again. Hooray. <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, 100 milligrams, you know, yeah, I, I always slow. take, I always take my nootropics after breakfast because yeah. I eat first thing, you know, 10 minutes after waking or not 10 minutes, but whatever ish. Should but you take I, it with food? That I think people's, that's going to, my, my impression Taryn might know more is that with just about everything, it's, you're going to get like a slower reaction, a slower and a softer hit if you take it after food than if you take it, you know, before you eat, just because then it's working with everything else you've taken in. Do you want the slower thing to, to space it out or... I found just for the only reason I did it this way is because I, I, if I took caffeine pills before I have, I take my coffee with caffeine pills. I don't know if I've, I think I mentioned that, but the reason is because I can control my dose. Mm-hmm. I take it with L-theolanine, which uh, reacts nicely with caffeine to help with the performance boostings that caffeine gives you. And I found that if I did that before breakfast, I would just kind of feel nauseated for a few hours, you know, for a period of time. So I don't want the hard hit with that. I don't know if it would do the same thing with medalphanil or not. See, tongue twister, if you say it eight times in a row. <laughs> I, th- I think L-theanine is also a really good thing to have on hand. Um, yeah, that that definitely does calm the jitters if you do overdo it, but it's it's not. So what is this thing? L-theanine? Yeah. Uh, it's, it's what's in tea. It's the other psychoactive substance in tea that a lot of people don't talk about, but our society consumes just as much um, as L-theanine. Um, and it basically is is a relaxant. Is it in uh, coffee as well or just in tea? I don't think it's in coffee. I think it's a tea thing. Okay. And so that helps counteract the the the, the jitters if you take too much a, modafinil? A, a little bit, but certainly not 
to any level where I would say, oh, you take a 300 and you take a little bit of L-theanine and you'll be fine. Like, um, it, it's, it might take the edge off. It, it might if you just barely go over. If you go over a lot, it's it's just there's not too much that'll help you. Okay. Except for waiting it out. Is, is, can you get L-theanine in like pill yep. form? Okay. Completely legal. Um, you can get it in. I, I, I'm a big fan of bulk supplements. Um, mm-hmm. I think that, you know, this entire hobby is extremely expensive. And, and so bulk supplements really bring costs down. So what other uh, supplements and nootropics do you take? Really quick, I wanted to interject. It occurred to me two more things with, with modafinil. One, I usually take one or two ibuprofen throughout the day just to counteract any possible headaches coming in and anticipate that your pee will smell weird, kind of like sulfur, which it's, I mean, that sounds like a scary symptom, but it's just since it's going through your body. But if, you're, if your urine is a very dark color, that's a scary sign of liver damage. And some people do have an adverse reaction that can lead to that. So... Yep. Keep in mind that it's never not worth going to the hospital if you're very sick. So if you have to explain, yes, I broke the law, but I don't want to die, it's worth it. I, that just occurred to me. But yes, I wanted to ask about, you said you take, you did take or do take about eight a day. Um, no, I, I did at my height. Uh, I want to get back to that, though. That is all stuff that like you really should be at least doubling water intake whenever you're taking one of these things. At least doubling. It really makes your body burn, burn really hot, so you have to... You have to certainly compensate for that with water. And none of this conversation is a comprehensive summary of all the stuff that you should know. Do do your own homework. Spend you know at least half an hour, an hour reading on this stuff, and be like, okay, I've weighed the pros and cons. I'm not going to do it, or I am going to do it. But don't don't take this as the full package. Nor do we like condone use. Oh, no, yes, of course. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> none of us would ever do this sort of thing. In fact, <laughs> this is all hypothetical. Yeah, yeah Terry and I are both lying about our illegal drug use. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah. We're just reading off of a script. We, you're, you're talking about your cyberpunk characters in the RPG that you <laughs> yes, play. That's right. <laughs> a we, friend of a friend yeah. that we both know. Plausible <laughs> denib- deniability maintained. <laughs> print color, print color. <laughs> is it still maintained if you point out that you're maintaining plausible deniability? <laughs> I'm going to go with yes <laughs> yeah, totally. for my own gratification. Uh, so what other things do you take? I, I really honestly don't take much of anything right now. I think I think modafinil it really uh, is, is a lot more time efficient as far as the amount of research you have to do into it, um, the amount of balancing you have to do. Um, whenever you're doing like the smaller things, you have to do like one at a time for weeks on end until you add another thing. And then you have to see how those synergize. And so like, you know, if you're just doing two, that's not a lot, but if you're doing like 14 or something like that a day, it's just a ridiculous time investment. And then measuring out each day and dosing, um, and modafinil really condenses that down into just like cut this pill in half and, and pop that and you get most of it. Um, I'm hope I'm hoping to start microdosing soon so what is this microdosing that you speak of so microdosing is where you take typically they're done with psychedelics um, but other other people are are doing them with uh, like mdma and stuff like that Um, but you take a psychedelic like lsd and you cut it down to about a tenth of a typical dosage so so like 10 micrograms which is which is incredibly small and and then you'll you'll take that on on some sort of regular schedule and it's supposed to improve quite a bit i I think that's that's where a lot of the community is moving towards now that we've gotten out of the whole like this needs to be all super safe like we're guinea pigging ourselves so we have to just like have everything incredibly safe 
and we're starting to branch out because things like modafinil open that door and they say, Hey, we can be safe and get like a one or 2% increase in our performance, or we can be less safe and get like 10 or 20% increases in our performance. And that's, I mean, it's just incredibly valuable. So the microdosing you would do on a daily basis? Um, I don't know yet. Oh, okay. uh, I haven't, it, it would certainly be something that, I mean, with all of these, always listen to your body and, and you have to be very in tune with, with where you're at. Um, and, and it is certainly. So you haven't tried any microdosing yet? I haven't tried any microdosing yet. Okay. No. I, you said microdosing of LSD? Yes. What does that do? Um, so. Because I'm assuming a microdose wouldn't give you like the hallucinations oh, and the no. stuff. This, no. is, this is all sub-perceptual. Okay. Um, it, it should be, you shouldn't notice any difference in colors, anything. You shouldn't get any hallucinations or enhancements. Um, it so, should just be generally like modafinil where it just, things go easier and you get a slight um, performance increase. How do you, how do you measure something like that? Because you can have <laughs> random variation performance increase just on, based on whether you slept okay, or if totally. you're fighting off some minor bug or something. Totally. As far as like dosage with, with LSD, typically, well, it, it's harder if you're getting street LSD because you don't know if it's going to be evenly laid on, on the tabs. The LSD comes on like little pieces of paper. I mean, you don't know if it's going to be evenly laid. And then if you cut that up to divide it, then you can get one piece that just has all of the LSD and then 10 pieces that have none of it. But with like the black markets and stuff like that, it's made drugs a little bit better and safer because there's accountability, you know, and, and there's rating systems and stuff like that. So you can know that you're going to get a pretty good laid thing. And then you can also, instead of cutting it up, what some people will do is they will just drop it in water and then drink a portion of that water because it dissolves in, in, in the water fully. And does, is, like, is the LSD supposed to make you more creative or more yes. alert? or? Yeah, um, both. both. Uh, it, it's supposed to be, it, it, it would be kind of like modafinil, except instead of, it, it increases your performance in, in a similar way, except it is leaning a little bit more towards that creative side where modafinil is, is a little bit more of like a structured side, like a hyper-focus. I, I don't know really how to explain the differences, probably because I haven't experienced microdosing okay. yet, but um, the anecdotals out there are, are pretty good. So hmm. and it's, it's kind of hard to ignore. Is it supposed to be just a little microdose on when you want a good creative day, or is this like a daily sort of thing? Um, I think different people do it differently. Um, I, I've heard of a lot of people that will do one day initially where they're taking the full effect and then three days off where it's like one, the second day they're still feeling it a little bit or like some of the positive effects. Um, and then the third and fourth day they let burn in days. So days where they like have to, you know, reflect on, on what happened and kind of how it was. And then there's people that do it every day and you know, people that aren't really microdosing and they're just going through their days, tripping balls. Oh, um, so yeah. there's, there's a whole gamut of, of people that are doing this. And they have all these conversations at longevity. Longevity. Yeah.com. Um, I, I think, uh, the Reddit has a lot more on, on the, the microdosing and okay. stuff like that. Um, longevity, longevity is more focused on like the longevity and, and just like more typical drugs, more legal drugs than, okay. than LSD. Okay. So go with the, the, uh, nootropic subreddit then. 
I mean, go with whichever one you well, you would want to. Right, but if you want to like uh, read about that kind of stuff and talk with people I, I that I are doing Reddit, that, yeah, is, is a, a much less monitored community. Okay, interesting. Have you done any microdosing? No, I mean not unless you count 100 milligrams of caffeine as opposed to the two or six <laughs> that most people are running on every day. You, sir, so, you uh, disappoint me with your definition of microdosing. <laughs> no, I, I microdose. You mean a full dose? Yeah. <laughs> Chest hair? You mean sweater? <laughs> I, I haven't, uh, I haven't microdosed or full dosed with any illegal substances. Like I said, I've I've used marijuana a few times, and I say it that way because I don't typically smoke it. Mm-hmm. And I got someone laughing like, "You use marijuana? You dweeb." Like, you know, you don't say it. You're supposed to say you smoke it or whatever. I typically don't smoke it, but that's like less than, I don't know, 10 times a year, if that. Yeah. It's been two, three months since the last time I had any any sort of illegal anything because I've been in the job market. So, But I, I totally get where you're feeling. We're like, yeah, I am doing marijuana today or I'm using marijuana today rather than smoking or whatever. It's I'm taking a substance. Exactly. There's people that microdose marijuana too. Really? Um, and that's, yeah. Um, what what would they report are the effects of microdosing marijuana? So it, it can reduce social anxiety quite a bit, um, okay. which is which is really interesting because it's kind of countering what marijuana does at a larger scale. If you take like a full dose, you get, you get a paranoid. Paranoid. Um, but yeah, microdosing marijuana sometimes brings people's anxiety level down, hmm. and and that you know there's the different drugs do different things. There is a, a lot of people that don't look for those things that allow them to say remember an extra digit in a string and more focus on like fear reduction and anxiety reduction and that can give you just so much better performance than just being able to to remember an extra number mm-hmm. on a phone number or something like that you that know can make a much bigger difference in yeah, your life it can make a huge difference especially if you're crippled by stuff like that yeah in colorado marijuana is legal and you can get it in various forms and various types at dispensaries every six feet of the state um there are more marijuana dispensaries in denver than there are starbucks really yeah or huh. at least that, that's what i read a couple of years crazy. ago um which i mean it sounds crazy until i realized that like just on the drive from my place like in the three and a half miles to the interstate i pass no less than half a dozen yeah and i pass i think only three starbucks <laughs> so um i see some like gas stations and stuff now that are like gas stations slash dispensaries damn yeah there's also uh, a lot of places in colorado where you can't sell marijuana because mm-hmm. the local little communities are like nope not in our area and so I think they probably get all crammed into these the few places that will let you do it. I don't know how they all stay in business when they're competing with people that are literally across the street. Maybe well, it's like I a mean, gas station thing. Yeah, and, right, you know, brand or business like, is booming. Yeah. yeah, I think right now it's in the whole you know the boom cycle, and, and eventually the the people who are less competitive will get weeded out and bought yeah. up by everyone else. Weeded yeah. out. Weeded. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I did not intend that. So but because I, I hate puns. <laughs> oh, pun puns are the best. Anyway. Um, we will fight after as, this as far as different ways to take it. I've seen, I haven't been, I've been in a few of these stores. Like I've, I've been shopping for this stuff twice since I moved to Denver like three years ago. But I remember one of them had pills yeah. of what is that? Not THC ingredient. CBD. CBD. Mm. CBD is incredible. It, it's, it's, it's an amazing, it, it's most of the health stuff that you associate with, with marijuana without all the psychoactive high. Okay. You know, um, our our descendants, you know, 50, 100 years down the line are going to owe us a lot of thank yous. A lot of, <laughs> a lot of us guinea pigged ourselves microdosing with yeah. LSD and <laughs> CBD and $10 a day worth of, of nootropics just so 
in, in you know a generation or two, they're going to be taking the daily pill and they're going to be operating at 180 percent of what their grandparents <laughs> yeah. operated at. Yeah, we right here, descendants. We are the spark of the Neo Sapiens. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was, it was in Nick Bostrom's book, the Super Intelligence book, he was he was talking about like one of the ways that they could do it is through you know drug alt augmenting a society with drugs and and stuff like that, or just having the general population being smarter and not necessarily doing it through like you know AGIs and stuff like that. So it, it could be incredible what some of these things lead to. But then also, like like we said earlier, you're inserting something that increases performance into a system that judges you on your performance. And that can always have just like crazy societal effects. Yeah. But society inequality. in general has been, you've heard of Flynn effect, right? No. Oh, so uh, the Flynn effect is the effect that has been measured that society in general, Western society has, I'm not sure if it extends to everywhere in the world, but I know definitely in the US and in Europe, people have just been getting smarter over mm. the past yeah. five, seven or eight yeah. decades. Yeah, where, where uh, IQ tests have had to be adjusted uh, every few years to take into account the fact that the average person is simply smarter totally. nowadays. And I mean, there's a lot of hypotheses as to why this is better nutrition, better hygiene, taking Education, lead out of yeah. stuff. Yeah. Oh, but, lead, yeah. Yes. But I mean, <laughs> no one really knows exactly what has caused it, but people have just been getting in general, low level smarter for a number of decades where at this point, I think the average person is 40 to 50% smarter than someone was seven decades ago, mm -hmm. which is amazing. Keep in mind, though, too, that the... And maybe part um, of the reason that society is less violent now? I don't know. Just my own personal prejudice there. That, there might be some correlation there. I mean, so I think it depends on what parts of IQ tests. And I, I only know this because, A, I was listening to something about this earlier, and B, it's something that I think about, that there are different portions of an IQ test. You know, part of it is, you know, this as to this, or this mm -hmm. is X is to Y as B is to, or as A is to blank or whatever. But then there are, like, parts where it's like, all right, what would this structure of squares look like when viewed from the top because yeah. you can kind of see it from the side well viewing it from the side and then imagining it from the top might be more difficult 60 years ago because there weren't 3d rotating objects that you saw all the time on a flat surface like a tv or video game screen oh. but you know now all the time you know on loading screens for fallout you're sitting there rotating the little pins or items or whatever while you're waiting for things to load so you're getting a lot of practice with some of these things mm -hmm. but that's true uh flynn effect is a real thing it has its own wikipedia page and this is kind of just like turning a spotlight on it and it's saying like we're getting smarter now let's figure out how to get smarter at getting smarter yeah you know and if, if we could turn that up and keep society getting smarter yeah. i i'm all for that and yeah, it yeah. seems to be having good effects there is there's the concern that like taryn alluded to like in the first few minutes of you know some some disparity between and you, you said just a minute again that if if it's if some people have access to this and it yes. makes them better at being productive people well then those people are gonna it you know could kind of just take off for them and not for the rest of us yeah but it, it's it's I, a positive feedback loop yeah. you know you you make more money so you can afford more pills that make you more money right so, it's like I, those <laughs> bastards that only sleep for four hours right. oh god i do wonder though like so that's it's not clear to me how that could or how that might work out in the future because i mean so for example I don't think it's clear to anybody, and that's well, kind of exactly, the problem. Exactly. <laughs> no, no, that's true. But, but I, I, I want to give out a couple of examples. So, like, if, if smartphones cost eight thousand dollars, and no, almost nobody had them, but you know, the top two percent could afford it, and they have the wealth of the universe or the world's information mm -hmm. at their fingertips all the time, and the rest of us had to go to you know physical buildings and Library, look at books. Yeah. Oh yeah, libraries. I forgot what they're. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I, I have all the libraries on my phone right now. I think when phones are first being pushed into the market, they were kind of seen like as, as this toy for rich people. 
And I forget who, who put it this way. It was somebody ages ago that I heard on a TV or podcast or something. They were like, I mean, yes, this, this was pushed out as a toy for the rich. And then now like dock workers in Somalia are using them to coordinate. Like this is something that everybody or like, you know, everyone that's not the body and billion of people on earth mm-hmm. have access to. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering, you know, if depending on how these drugs worked or how this future turned out, it could be that, Oh cool. We'll just put modafinil's super awesome, great grand cousin into the water supply and everyone's yeah. going to have some, mm-hmm. or if it's going to be, yeah, it, it's awesome. It's like that movie limitless, but it's a thousand dollars a pill. Enjoy. Yeah. Right. Well, everything always starts out as a thousand dollars a pill, but then it gets cheaper over time. Like the first computers, were oh, yeah. massive and cost billions of dollars. Maybe not billions, but millions at least. The equivalent of billions, probably. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, fair point. I mean, I don't know. And I, yeah, obviously, obviously I'm speculating. I was just, that is the one thing I hear kicked back a lot for any sort of transhumanist progression is that like, well, yeah, but then the, then the society will just all skew towards the first people to get access to yep. it. Yeah, and but I don't I mean, know if that... The rich always have these advantages. Yes. It's, that's totally. always going to be the case, that the people with the most money will get the most advantage soonest, and then it'll slowly spread to everyone else. And if we're talking about like a 5 or 10, 20% increase, we're not talking about tripling your IQ, right? Yeah. So if it was the case that being 20, if it, was, if it was the case that being a standard deviation ahead meant that you had all of this extra sway and all this extra power, the world's most powerful people would be the world's smartest people, and they're often not uh, oh yeah 20 so, percent is huge though it 20, is 20 percent is gargantuan you you would you would be the best performing person that you know at 20 percent increase if nobody else was doped up well i mean if you have an iq of 100 and know somebody with an iq of 120 that disparity is not gargantuan oh it's, it's huge. pretty big yeah it, 100 to 120 is is gargantuan for sure um I, I don't know if it's life Maybe I don't know changing, the IQ scores of enough people. It is it. a lot. It, yeah, yeah. It's, it's quite a bit. It, it, it would be a noticeable. So, sometimes here, this is this is the way that I would say it at least has affected me in my life. There are there are times whenever I take modafinil that I feel like I'm cheating, where you just feel like you know, I get such a crazy advantage with it, but I don't want to like tell everybody else that this advantage is out there because it would it would make me a lot less you know e- extraordinary or or abnormal you know i know that feeling you're talking about but i feel like that might be one of the effect one of the effects of the drugs or which is one of the effects of having a great day right yeah, i mean because totally. like i said it, it never put me in a stage in a mindset that i've never been in before it just it it got me there artificially yeah um and immediately rather than you know throwing the dice every day i i, I work with my job, I'm directly compensated based on performance. Like I have a, um, a commission plan. And so it, it does make it like, and, and my statistics versus all my peers statistics is all tracked right next to each other. And so it does for, for my situation specifically, it definitely makes me feel like I'm cheating huh. and, and just gives me an unfair advantage. I think yeah, Got use, a question. All the, use all the advantages you can get, but I guess if, I do want to say that I've been pushed back. I thought that 20 points wouldn't make, wouldn't make or break the world, but it, it seems like you guys are saying it might. It's it's a lot. I got a question. If everyone in your workplace knew about modafinil and used it, would you support regulation to be like, okay, guys, let's all just quit it and we'll be, you know, nothing will change in our relative performance? Or would you want to keep using it because you like the performance that you get out of it? I think that... <laughs> Uh, I, I, I would like to see something where it's just like, you know, you, you're showing that you are enhanced, you know, competing with the non-enhanced the way that way people could differentiate and then people could choose 
you know, if somebody, if your boss were to say like, Hey, I understand you'll perform less. You're not going to be judged based on that. You'll be judged against the people who are also not doping. Mm-hmm. And, and then, you know, the people who really want to like, you know, if the commission structure, if it's all commission and the commission structure were the same, the people that just want to like, you know, burn really hot 24 seven, they can do that. And then the people that don't would do that. Um, but the current state, I probably wouldn't <laughs> vote for, uh, for getting it taken away just because I get such a distinct advantage from it. For that reason, for the first reason in, in your response there is exactly why I would love a separate league for people that could be openly on all the steroids. Mm-hmm. I think that'd be awesome to watch football with people that, yes, this guy's on all these drugs. This guy's on all these drugs. Let's watch these monsters clash and go nuts. Oh my nuts. God, dude. They the would tear is, themselves apart. have less doping well, if that, you did something you, I think like that. Be, I mean, you, I mean, you a, have that, to. That, that, you got you to keep that in mind if you yeah. want to get into, into uh, performance boosting competitive sports. Yeah. You realize your life expectancy will take a hit and <laughs> you know your body's going to be destroyed because because you're going to be fighting with people you know, that can go toe to toe with silverback gorillas. But I think that it would just be awesome watching, you know, a baseball game with super dopers and like, Oh, we had to up this up the density of the balls and bats because they kept destroying <laughs> these things. Like they push they push left field out to a thousand yards because like it's too, it's too tight. But uh, then, but then, you know, I, I mean, would you athlete, like- if I was going out at my work and I was saying like, Hey, I'm doping, people would see, my performance and they would say, Oh, that's, that's a lot less impressive now. Okay. You know? And so I think that that would have that effect if, if we were to say like, Hey, you can be really open about these things. People would just say, well, I'm not going to do it because of the negative effects. And I don't feel like I need to constantly one up them. Would you, so would you like to work on a team where everyone was doping just because the team would be so much more effective? You would hate that that. because you wouldn't shine. Well, not just that, just because it would be, you'd be having to burn hot to stay competitive. But Um, what if you'd like, there was a limit of only doing it two or three times a week? Yeah, I think that'd be fine. I I would, I would be fine with that, but something on Mondays. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, totally. But yeah, if it were just like allowed whenever and there wasn't a limit on to on it, then it's just it would be such a rat race that that would be really unenjoyable. I feel like it, it would take away a lot of what life is supposed to be about. And it's not always about just like constantly getting ahead. Sometimes it's like slowing down, smell the roses. So if you were on a team where it was twice a week, but everyone doped, then that would be cool. I would I would be fine with that. I, would th- I think that would be a lot of fun. Yeah. yeah. You would, you would be able to see some really amazing things societally, yeah. I think, if, if this was more widespread. Yeah. Do we want to wrap it up? Because we are now at an hour and a half. Yeah, I think we've hit just about everything. I'm trying to think of, I mean, we, we sort of focused on a handful, but I guess this is, we focused on a handful of nootropics, but I guess, you know, the, the point is that this is a subject of inquiry and, and active investigation that's out there that, you know, if you want to look mm-hmm. into, um, I mean... The sort of the general idea that if you can get a couple percent boost and it's not all that costly and it's pretty safe, that sounds pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, look, check it out. It's fun. Do your homework. Read around. It's fun stuff. Definitely do your homework. Even if it's just strict academic. I mean, for the most part, this this is the main takeaway too. Is like, hey, will these drugs make me smarter? Make me you know better at this or that? The answer is who? Pro- we don't know. Yeah. Not, not just the three of us, but the the industry as a whole doesn't. Like, hey, if I take you know, 300 milligrams of this, 200 of this, and 10 of that, what's going to happen? Well, we're not really sure. Not because, uh, you know, there's, A, there's not a ton of research done, but B, you know, your bodies, everyone's bodies work different. Some people, like you said, are non-responders to things that it's weird that they're not responders to because it's pretty intense. Oh, Um, man. That would suck if society was based on people 
doing my damn film a couple times a week. It was a non-responder. Uh-huh. Yeah, they'd be screwed. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those things that there's a lot of of up in the air still. That's why I said our descendants are going to owe us for doing all the the guinea pigging down the yeah. road. So it, it is it is genuinely unknown. We don't know what the negative effects of a lot of these things are um, on, on large time scales. Some of it's stuff that you know pharmaceutical companies have even said you know we just don't feel like it's worth it researching that anymore because the risk profile we have found is so high and then the the nootropics community has said you know we don't mind so much you know so it is, it is there's a lot of genuinely dangerous stuff in this space um so just do all of your research and and definitely try and stay as safe as possible, I would say. And be okay with knowing that we don't know the long-term effects yet, so you might die in 20 years. You, yeah, totally. And that's some, something to accept. There's there's a lot of stuff that has happened. Uh, SUNY Fierum is one that I think there was somebody who died on it, and and it was just... What What is SUNY Fierum? It's, it's called an ampicine. Uh, it's just one of those various drugs. I mean, there's hundreds of them out there, but it was one of those ones that turned out to be you know, kind of bad for you and, and people were doing it. So it is guinea pigging. There is real risks involved. I no think there was somebody who, who was using caffeine, but they were using it in powder mm. um, just because it's so incredibly cheap in powder. And, you know, he took like a tablespoon of it oh. thinking, um, Jesus. thinking he'd be fine and his heart exploded or something yeah. like, wait, you know, somebody this happened to, I don't know them. Oh. Um, no, but, but I know of, of them. Yeah. Um, I remember, when Think Geek, uh, this this website that sells just hilarious little geeky toys, they were selling like caffeine that came in a salt shaker mm-hmm. and like to add it to your French fries, your pizza, or whatever. Totally, Which, it's incredibly dangerous. Well, incredibly. that was my exact first thought. I was like, I can't wait to watch. I can't, I can't wait, but I I I wonder how long it's going to be before someone dies doing a line of this on YouTube. Oh, right? Geez. Yeah. Like, I mean, what were they thinking? They were thinking, oh, I bought this from Think Geek. It's no, not no. Dangerous. What is Think Geek thinking? That like people are going. I mean, I guess they can sell whatever they want. People can be dumb or mm-hmm. whatever, but like. There's no way people are going to use that responsibly in a, I mean. Well, it's because when you're selling it in, in, in a novel way like that, people don't understand that it's something that needs to be used responsibly. Yeah. Right. It's you an know, assault we, shaker. We How caffeine, could it hurt me? Yeah. We think about coffee and we're like, oh shit, I've had so much coffee in my life. This isn't a bad thing. And then some kid takes a teaspoon and he dies, you know. So it, it is genuinely dangerous. You definitely have to do your research on it. And no one's been taking it long enough to know that if it's going to maybe give you Parkinson's or Alzheimer's or something down the yeah. line. Yeah. I take my caffeine and pre-measured pill form, but I don't measure it myself. I yeah. have it packaged and sent to me that way. Cause I'm not going to, again, it's just so incredibly cheaper, right? Well, it's cheaper, but also like, as far as not even just buying the powder and packaging my own. Cause I also like knowing exactly how much I'm getting, mm-hmm. you know, even yes, with a cup definitely. of coffee, you're getting some wide variance. Mm-hmm. If, if you're doing this without a scale, if you're jumping into any of these nootropics without a scale, then you're doing it wrong. Anybody who tells you, you can eyeball this stuff. I mean, we're talking about milligrams and, and micrograms and stuff like that. You can't eyeball it. Um, just simple as that. Right on. I could, I could go on and on, but I feel like we are we are hitting that upper time limit. So do you want to move on to listener feedback? Okay, actually, not going to listener feedback just yet because Taryn had one more thing. Um, well, I just wanted to bring up that it's kind of interesting in the way it changes how you think. It's not necessarily always faster. So they did studies on chess players and they used modafinil in this study and they found out that actually the chess players were taking longer per move they were making better moves they were getting a net positive 
but it wasn't necessarily by like going through it easier or faster. It's just, they were able to see more per move. Um, so I just thought that was something interesting to kind of throw in there. It is very interesting. That is, that wasn't, it wasn't my experience at all that things seemed like they went fast. If anything, yeah. it, it seems like things are going the same speed and I was going faster, yeah. which is probably, you know, something like the, the, the subjective experience of these chess players mm -hmm. who were, like you said, running through more moves in their head before they made their actual one. I, yeah. I would be fun to see how they performed on Adderall. If they were, if they made faster moves that were, you know, on, on average worse. Yeah. That would be a really interesting thing to, to cross examine. I know that if it were me, that's how it would be on, I mean, or like on just too much caffeine, you're, you're just speeding through. You're not, you're not a sharper, better thinker. You're just a faster one, yeah. but you're also faster at, I guess, implementing your ideas before, you know, having the chance to run through them all. Yeah. And so, I don't know. It's, Crap, we never got to Adderall. I mean, they're huge. that's the biggest portion of it. If you look at like schools and stuff, there's some schools that have like 35% usage of performance enhancing drugs as yeah. far as like schoolwork goes. In terms of Adderall. In terms of like Adderall and Ritalin. Ritalin is huge. And Mommy's and, little helper. That, yeah. <laughs> and, and that with modafinil, you don't have a, a big, you have a big risk profile, but compared to things like amphetamines, you don't really. Um, Adderall is basically speed. Yeah. Yeah, it, it is. It is. Yeah. And it hyper focuses you, right? Mm -hmm. I call yeah. it speed of the PG-13 rating. Speed legal and packaged for yeah. you. Right. For children. Um, yeah, for children. <laughs> to learn. Yeah. Um, so but no, that, I, I hear it just like it. really narrows you in on exactly what you're focusing on. Mm -hmm. You don't mm -hmm. change your focus to anything else. Yeah. So Adderall, now that the, I'm posing the question this way to myself, it would be like combining all of the bad things of caffeine <laughs> with all of the, I guess with too much of the good things from Modafinil. Mm. So like you said, it's, it's like with Modafinil, like I said, I spent a day playing Skyrim, but I wasn't setting out to do anything productive that day anyway. Um, I just know that it is kind of easy to get caught up in doing whatever it is you're doing, just like it is when you're able, you know, if you're feeling super focused that day anyway, that might happen. But with Adderall, yeah, you're going to be that, you know, you're going to be that kid at recess counting blades of grass, right? Just because this is super interesting and oh my God, like, yeah. I th but I, I don't You'll know. You'll clean your whole house because you have to. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I took Adderall two or three times during call during my first couple of years at college. So like, I don't know. Jesus, I'm old, like seven or eight years ago. Um, yes, so old, Stephen. <laughs> old for me. <laughs> I'm currently the oldest I've ever been. That's true. So, uh, actually, my as far as impacting my sleep, this is interesting. Both times that I took it, I slept fine that night. The night after, I was up all night, hmm. just laying there trying to fall asleep. Both times. I'm not sure if the second time was... I also had more insomnia issues back then, but this was just... I remember, I think the second time I took it, I tried. To, I just laid in bed until I... You know, I saw my window kind of light up a little bit and I could hear birds singing. I was like, well, that's it. I'm out for the day. It's yeah. 530 in the morning. The last psychiatrist back when he was still blogging uh, wrote a post about, okay, kids, listen, if you're going to take Adderall at college, here's how to do it right. Because I see a lot of you fucking it up. <laughs> and it, it's a really interesting post. But one of the big things that he said is it changes your mental state enough that you want to be in the same state when you're taking tests as you were when you were studying. So if you study on Adderall, take your test on Adderall as well. Mm -hmm. And if you uh, don't study on Adderall, then don't take it before a test. Yeah, state-dependent memory is a real thing for yeah, yeah, everything. Definitely. And that's, that's why, for I mean, everything. I'm also kind of super nitpicky with a lot of things that I do, but I like sitting in the exact same seat in mm. whatever, like when I was, in, and I'm a, if I'm in a classroom setting, I like studying and test-taking in that seat. And there was one really hard class when I was getting my undergrad that was sort of designed as like the senior class fail or like dropout test to see like, if you're really serious about getting this degree, you're going to pass this class with like a 25% fail rate. The test room was always different than the lecture room. And that drove me insane. Mm -hmm. We would go to a completely different building, 
and because it was a class with like I think it ran three times a day or three times a week with different times, but it was three classes running concurrently with like 200 people per class. So they but they'd all test in the same day. So they kind of just spread out rooms throughout the campus to get people to take this test. And I'm convinced I would have tested a little better in the real in the in the lecture room. Anyway, Adderall experiences. I didn't mean to jump in there. Oh, Did you? I, I I haven't had very many um, with Adderall, and I, I don't see it as particularly. I I think it is great for um, mindless tasks um, to but, keep your mind from wandering. Yeah, yeah, just for like cleaning and stuff like that. But I don't see much value for it. When, mm-hmm. Whenever you compare it to things like modafinil that are you know a quarter of the price and effective in more of the ways that you want this type of drug to be effective and doesn't have as many of the side effects that you want that you wouldn't want from these types of drugs um definitely is just miles above where adderall is for the nootropics community i wonder my memory of of my time using adderall like i said is almost 10 years old and but if i'm remembering correctly or if i'm not just you know inventing the memory right now i feel like there was more of the uncomfortable mental effects like when i took ephedra a couple years Mm -hmm. ago um, and less of the physical effects, although there was still the jitteriness, the heart rate and stuff, but it wasn't as bad. And maybe the mental effects were more pronounced, but the, and the physical effects less pronounced, but it wasn't a positive experience. Yeah. Uh, again, people take it, your mileage varies. If you have ADD or ADHD, Definitely. it helps you out a lot. And it, it doesn't, it's not speed for you. It, it's one of those weird things where it does actually just chill you out if your brain chemistry is different. Yeah. So. But it is something like with that, the big difference I would say with Adderall, like you take or Vyvanse or Ritalin or any of those amphetamines, you take those and you think, like it hits you hard enough to where you think, I'm definitely on a drug. Whereas modafinil, there's tons of times throughout your day whenever you can completely forget that you took it just because it feels so much just like you're in your normal state of consciousness. Everything is just easier. For me, I don't know. Everybody's everybody's chemistry is, is different, you know. So and I, for one, have been convinced to turn into a drug-using hippie because of you guys, <laughs> <laughs> or at least experiment with it. <laughs> cool. All righty. Yeah, fun stuff. All right, I think we're ready for listener feedback for realsies. Okay, listener feedback for realsies. Uh, the first two things I have are both just corrections, so I'll just read them. There's not really much to reply to unless you guys want to jump in. Uh, first, Mr. Oliva says... In regards to our episode when we were talking about AI with Sean, uh, when you talk about neural networks overfitting the data, Ineash likens it to seeing faces in clouds, but that is exactly the opposite of overfitting. Overfitting is like only recognizing the faces that the neural network was trained on as actual faces because the neural network had so much training on those, it essentially made them a limited set of correct inputs rather than trying to find the common traits for faces. This occurs when you train more than once on a single data set because the neural network is reinforcing its previous beliefs. It can also not show up in a test if you reuse training data as test data to see how accurate it is. So I was wrong. It is not, it is not seeing the data everywhere. It is having such a limited pool that you only see it from, from these very specific examples. To make sure I understand, so like, it'd be like if you trained this neural network to recognize chairs and you only trained it, trained it on like four-legged backed 
chairs. It wouldn't recognize armchairs, couches, lazy boys, spinny computer chairs. Is that sort of what what it what you're saying? Yes, that's what it sounds like. From yeah. from what I gleaned, maybe if it's bad enough, it might not even recognize the same chair in a slightly different position. Gotcha. But what you were saying was kind of the opposite word. It's recognizing everything with a flat surface as a chair. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So cool. I got it wrong in the exactly wrong direction. <laughs> that's that's rare that you get it exactly wrong. <laughs> right. <laughs> cool. Cool. Uh, not without incident says. A quick AlphaGo clarification. AlphaGo uses neural networks, but it isn't really accurate to say that AlphaGo is a neural network. AlphaGo uses a search tree like Deep Blue did, but uses two neural networks to reduce the prune and search space. Uh, to reduce and prune the search space. So yeah, uh, when Sean said it is a neural network, that wasn't technically correct. That makes sense. I, I remember during the episode that, uh, which reminds me, I, well, I don't know if this is worth mentioning. This was the first episode that I actually re-listened to in like, six, eight months. Mm. <laughs> and I think we, did, we turned out okay. Yeah. But I do remember when he said that about AlphaGo and that uh, he said something about it brute forcing the, maybe this is before the show, but I remember he said something about it brute forcing the solution, which I remember was exactly how it didn't work. Mm-hmm. Unless like, I mean, it brute forces it, but then uses neural network al- or neural net algorithm magic to <laughs> prune down the immense search space with Go moves. So it's not just like chess or actually this is an interesting related point. I remember reading sometime like a year ago, uh, why there wasn't chess, or excuse me, checkers championships, the way that there are chess championships. Mm-hmm. It's because checkers is a solved game. Yeah, it's too easy. It's like yeah. tic-tac-toe. Well, it, well, it, well the, the, exactly. But the fun thing about it was that I remember it was either in 1868 or 1968 or somewhere in one of those decades, probably. 1868 think, and 1968 are a century part. I know. Oh, but okay. so, somewhere in, some, it doesn't matter. The point is, right. <laughs> during, during some of the last times that they tried doing checkers tournaments, I think 23 of the 24 games were identical and they ended in ties. Okay. So like there's, uh, it is it is one of those things where, yeah, like tic-tac, it's like a bigger tic-tac-toe board where it's just like, this is, there's, there's not enough search space to make this interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay, so now on to an actual question that we should probably discuss for a little bit. Uh, Googleplex Byte asks, I've always wondered about paperclip general intelligences. Why does the paperclip intelligence care about making paperclips? It just needs to convince itself it's doing its job like bending and unbending the same paperclip over and over or erasing the memory of making the paperclip and counting the first paperclip it made over and over again. So this is going to be an AI theorist kind of big problem for me. Like, just to, my, my initial impression is that it's never... It doesn't care about making paper clips in the way that we understand the word care to mean anything. It's basically you tell it make paper clips for some idiot reason, and it's like make paper clips. You got it. That's my only value, and so that's that's my purpose is to you know cut bur- butter or whatever. Yeah, you pass butter. Oh my god. Whereas, but that that robot even had the 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 mental faculties to be horrified at its lot of life. Right. We're talking about the butter transferring transporting robot from Rick and Morty. Um, which everyone should have gotten that reference. Yes. Uh, <laughs> if you didn't get the reference, you should stop listening to the show and watch all of Rick and Morty right now. Way more important. Yes. <laughs> you can get through it in a day. There's only a couple seasons. So I think the the idea is that why wouldn't it just trick itself to think it's it's making maximum paper clips? Yeah. I mean, presumably because you asked you you asked mm. it to do the job right. Well, uh, it's it's like if I asked you to help me move, you're not going to carry the same box to and from the truck, right? Yeah, I think uh, I think that some paperclip maximizers might do that. I mean, oh. it's possible that something could just modify itself into cheating. But on but the the purpose is not to to create this paperclip maximizer. The purpose is to help you see how it could go wrong. Yeah, and, and exactly. Through that, I think that 
you know, it still stands that the paperclip machine is a pretty good example. Yeah, of things <laughs> that we didn't expect to go yeah, wrong. Totally, and totally. all of a sudden you have a universe of paperclips. It, it, it may trick itself, but it's easy to see how if it didn't, it could really go awry. And I mean, it also depends on how well it's programmed because a lot of humans trick themselves into feeling happy, wireheading or whatever, mm-hmm. just using heroin all the time. And a lot of other humans are like, that is... I, I don't I don't really care about that trick. Yeah. <laughs> I want to actually do something yeah, that totally. is that is purposeful. So it, it depends on how good it is at seeking out its actual goal. If it's just a number that is trying to increment, then yeah, maybe it'd be easy to to hack it and it's useless. But maybe it actually for some reason cares or or wants has a drive for there to be more paper clips, mm-hmm. much like humans sometimes have a drive for I don't know, creating a lasting legacy or having children that like them or whatever shit people do. Totally. But the whole purpose is just to say like, hey, this can go wrong. Can you see? Can you see how it can go wrong? Yeah. Uh, Oh, okay. This is just a fun one. Senju says, hey, there's a project where they're gathering data on what humans would want self-driving cars to do in trolley problem-like situations. And he uh, attaches a link, which I will attach as well to the episode when it goes live on the BayesianConspiracy.com. But yeah, I I played with it. There's 13 questions and they're really fun. It's like, do you think this car should run over two dogs and a doctor or three old ladies? (laughs) That's funny. It was was just, it was fun to play through. And then at the end, it gave me some statistics as to uh, you value rules more than you value this other thing Hmm. based on your answers. And uh, you apparently value uh, homeless people less than you value educated people. (laughs) (laughs) That's interesting. Which I was like, you got me there. (laughs) I'll definitely take it if it gives you like slap in the face results like that. As far as like useful implementations, I was actually talking with uh, a couple people that were on the show before about uh, this exact problem, like trolley probleming, trolley probleming with self-driving cars and one of them was just super pissed about like why are we even spending a lot of time burning fuel on this like this is not the considerations we should be having he he gave this one example he's like if it's, if it's going to drive me off a bridge to save three people it might as well just kick me out and drive itself to a factory for it sell itself and give it money to <laughs> ea charities like <laughs> nice. but um I think I think the general point is that like you know whatever it is the death toll will be so much less than it is now, so much. Mm-hmm. and like you said it's gonna it's not gonna be operating at the same speed that we're gonna be operating at. It can stop faster. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's also the question of like why should I die because a family of three is stupid enough to jump in front of my car? <laughs> right. But I mean, in, in a perfect self-driving car shouldn't have trolley problems, no. right? You know, it should it should say all right, there's two dogs and a doctor, and it stops. Yes, you know? <laughs> or slows down enough so you know, anything that random might occur to, yeah, yeah. And, and that's hard for us to kind of think about because we're thinking if we were in that situation you know we'd have to think about it yeah. um, but if you look at like some of the tesla ones they predict crashes before you can even think about there even being i've, I've done yeah. ones where i've like watched the videos multiple times oh, yeah. and you just can't tell that a crash is about to happen and the car's already realized it oh fantastic that's I, 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 th- I thought one of my uh, really, oh, this is cool moments was when uh, the car stopped and wouldn't go forward at an intersection because its radar picked up a bicyclist behind a hedge, yeah. which uh, the human couldn't see because it was behind a hedge. Yeah. It's like, this is awesome. Because yeah. they can see through walls. Yeah. I mean, they, ha- they have radars or, or LIDARs. Mm-hmm. Um, they yeah, can they bounce can. them underneath the car yeah, in front totally. of them. They, yeah. they, they have perfect perception of, of the world, God, the, that's awesome. the immediate yeah. world around them. Yeah. 
that's think, what a lot of people don't realize. I think, Taryn, I like the way you put it. Trolley problems aren't going to be a thing yeah. when this when this gets out there. Speaking of which, that was my least, that was my most immersion-breaking point in Logan, mm-hmm. when this isn't a spoiler at oh, all. Oh, yeah, the when self-driving the, when, trucks. Well, no, I was fine with the self-driving trucks. What I didn't like was how they honked and said, please move out of the way, <laughs> instead of stopping. <laughs> it's like, no, 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 you're not going to have self-driving cars <laughs> barreling down the highway carrying cargo and no, have no. them just be like, move, they're, not, they're, it, they're gonna stop. In our world, obviously, but uh, the, I interpreted that as a world-building detail where the director is letting us know we live in a dystopia where corporations want, they, they value the five extra minutes it takes their product wow, to get yeah. there more than they value the lives of the people wow. on the street. Yeah. And, yeah. and so they've, they've drafted, just programmed that their interesting commentary on and the they've society. Drafted the laws, they yeah. Yeah. yeah, That's actually, that, that the, the dystopian idea came into my head as I was formulating that, but you put it really poignantly and that's, that's a, that's yeah. All right. Fair enough. Thanks for re rebuilding my immersion from the ground yeah. up. <laughs> no problem. All right. We're saved. Yes. So go see Logan. Now it's now it's literally a hundred out of really 100. good. Yeah. But now you just spoiled Logan. So no one wants to see it anymore. Oh God, they're uh, self-driving cars. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, this is a fun one. And this is also the last one. A gnome. I believe it's gnome on our website said, I wondered about your approach to the idea of a race of super intelligent AI of humanity's making inheriting our place in the future. I find that notion to be very comforting as it describes a future in which even if humanity fails to make peace amongst itself and go on to explore the universe, we have left a better being to go on in our stead. I find that many people have very low expectations of humanity's ability to not annihilate itself within the next few centuries. And so if worse comes to worst, the idea of humanity leaving behind a consciousness that suppresses it is quite fetching. I think I mentioned this on the show that one thing to grapple with is that we might be making sentient beings that matter in every way that we care about way more than we do. Like we, like we matter more than ants. I think I said something like that. This isn't something that I want to happen because I really care about my own persistence. So yes, it's better than nothing. Like say if they turned us all into more computers to make more of, the, more of them out of. Hmm. I mean, you know, it, I guess it's better than a universe where all the lights are off everywhere, but I am not a fan given that like all of my values are kind of tied up in humanity. And if, if that's extinguished to make room for this cooler thing, well then we're still gone. Right. So that, I mean, I don't know how coherent that thought is, but like, I guess the takeaway is that I, for me, I feel like it could be worse, but it's not desirable. So I, I have a take on this, uh, being that I, well, first of all, I, I, put my own life uh, at a very high priority level. So if something were to come along and want to disassemble me to use me for parts, I would have serious problems with that and you know, try, to, try to declare war or stab it or whatever I need to do to get this computer not to take me to pieces because I like living. Uh, but that being said, if we're assuming I have to die eventually at some point and we have descendants, I mean, that's basically what all of human history has been, right? You, you're going to die anyway, so you have kids and you hope they carry on the, the legacy. And uh, I find what he says right here to be very beautiful and romantic in that, yes, I would like my descendants to be better than me, more moral than me, smarter than me, stronger than me, live, live a better life. And if it, does, it doesn't matter to me if that life is, you know, in a fleshy body or if it's in a robot body or if there's no body at all, it's just distributed across the internet and various probes are sent out or whatever. I, I'm, I'm not a, as I believe they call them, carbon chauvinists, where my descendants have to be made out of carbon in the same way I am. 
uh, I, I'm totally fine with uh, with that sort of AI coming afterwards and taking up the mantle for humanity. The problem isn't that I don't want AI carrying on our legacy. And, you know, hopefully we'll be able to coexist for as long as we can coexist until the human species eventually goes extinct. Uh, that, that, that is not my worry. The worry is that if we create something that takes over for us, for it to be recognizably human. If this is a, I believe the term I heard someone use before, God, I can't remember who it was now, uh, a Disneyland with no children. Uh, if it is a machine that is like, reproducing these environments and making yeah. wonderful places for humans to live, but there's nothing sentient there and it's just making stuff without anything that can enjoy it. Yeah. That's, that's, that's a future without any value there. There needs to be something that cares and feels and thinks to inherit it. And the, the, the fear isn't that an AI will take over for humanity. The fear is that there is going to be some sort of machine that inherits our place, but that machine does not have any consciousness or feelings, or if it does, it values things that are so orthogonal to us that we just don't see any value in that, that they just want to make paper clips or beautiful carbon crystals or whatever. And there's, there's nothing left to pursue anything that we find valuable. That's a much more refined version of what I was trying to say. <laughs> okay. Like, like if, it, if it carried on and it was just us bigger and better, then I guess, again, aside from mourning the loss of my personal existence, that mm -hmm. would be, I guess, somewhat okay, you know, yeah. uh, or, or super awesome, depending on how exactly that worked out. Yeah. But you're right. Like it could be, um, I'm picturing, I forget the kind of wasp that like builds these cool little like clay vases that it either like lays eggs in or whatever they do mm -hmm. lives in. And I'm, I, I'm imagining in the head of that wasp, there's not much going on. It's just doing what it does. It's doing its waspy business and doesn't, it's mm -hmm. not thinking. And I mean, the evidence for like a lot of animal behavior, especially lower animal behavior, just being complete autopilot all the time is pretty overwhelming. Yeah. There's, I think you're, you're in the distinct minority if you're going to say, no, no, it's reflecting and thinking through things like, just like you are. It's definitely not. Yeah. Uh, or it's, it's unreasonable for you to say that it is anyway. So, we didn't talk, we didn't throw around the word, the C word a lot in our AI episode, consciousness, um, which is the C word when you're having a philosophical discussion, uh, because it's, um, it's this whole other topic. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, it, it is perfectly conceivable to me that you could have AIs that would be just like this wasp. They'd be building super awesome, cool stuff, but there's, there, there's not, the lights aren't on in its head and there's no lights on in the universe for it to enjoy its creations. Yeah. But it's, it's just going to keep on plugging away because that's what it's supposed to do. And there's um, been a number of great uh, sci-fi shorts that take that concept. They're um, Swarm by uh, Bruce Sterling had that where the, there's a race of somewhat insectile uh, aliens which don't have any sort of thought process, but they're reproducing, just taking over the, the galaxy. Uh, and um, most famously recently, uh, Blindsight by Peter Watts is the same sort of thing with aliens that can optimize their environment, but don't think. And we could conceivably make an AI that can do that sort of thing, but doesn't have thoughts. Also, we could conceivably make something that does the exact same thing and we can't tell, right? You know, we, we honestly can't explain consciousness in humans to on even the simplest level. Like we don't even know where to start as far as consciousness goes to, so to create 
a machine and, and assume that it's not conscious on any level. I see Steven waggling his head and I'm kind of, oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> I'm going, I'm going with him on this. There's a long running debate on whether you can make something that acts identically without it actually having the same thoughts. And we'll have to do a whole episode on P zombies someday. We'll do that. But I was also just going to say that it's not that we, I think you came off a little too strong. It's not that we have nowhere to start and we, we wouldn't even know where to begin talking about these things. We have, we have some idea. We're, we 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 don't have a full picture yet. Yeah. So to say that we have, well, like, we have a sample size of consciousness of one. Yes. You know, and and not even one as in like a communal one. Like each person can only experience a sample size. Sure. Of one. But but to say that we have no idea what we're talking about would mean like that it'd be equally realistic for me to say that you're conscious and the chair sitting on is conscious. Like yeah. if I if I had nowhere to start, those claims would be the same or have the same level of probability, right? Which I don't think is true. I think that there I assign a much more uh, a much higher probability of you being conscious than I do of the the cherry sitting on being conscious. Well, I mean, like the the whole problem goes back to whenever you say conscious, what do you mean? Yeah, well, you know, I mean, that's, that's why it's such a big problem is because whenever I say we don't know where to start, I mean that whenever you say consciousness, you you don't know how to define that. But I, I sort of know that starting by investigating a chair is a bad idea. You should maybe investigate other mammals. Well, I, I, mean, I, can, like, I can give a quick answer that I think is pretty accepted, at least in the, the philosophy community that uh, Thomas Nagel put forward, which was in his essay, I think it's called What, what It's Like to Be a Bat. And I mean, this is kind of far afield, but this is just the, the, the quick flyby of this endeavor. Like you said, you don't know how to define consciousness. There is a loose, useful definition that is pretty ubiquitous in the field that if you could transfer your state of mind into something and have it still be like anything, then it's, then that's what con that, that constitutes consciousness in some way. So like you, if we were to transfer as much of you as we could into a bat body, and, or like if you, if you were a bat for like, we could, we could wave a wand at you, turn you into a bat and then turn you back and you could self-report about what that was like. You could be like, man, it was really weird. I didn't have thoughts, but I had like these drives and I could see with my ears or whatever. Yeah. There's, some, there's something, like, there's whatever something, you say you, like that's something, the whole problem is what do you mean you? Well, so that's consciousness is different than personal identity. Yeah. Uh, so the, you, you've, we've moved goalposts, but we don't just want to make that clear. Okay. But, okay. uh, yeah. So I guess you could say that something's conscious if there's something that it's like to be that thing. Or if, if there's any sort of subjectivity that it, that it could in principle express. I don't think, for example, that it's reasonable to think that rocks have a subjectivity, but I think that probably anything with a brain does, or most things with a brain do. Like they have something that's yeah. like, they, they, again, I, I, I picture it more like, you know, drives like this wasp, like it's just doing what it, what it's programmed to do. And it doesn't really think about what it's doing. It's just moving around and it's responding to, to external stimuli, but you know, and I think this is, you know, thought experimenty, but in principle, you could be transformed into that, transformed back and report your experience. Whereas if, whereas if I turned you into a rock and turned you back, you'd be like, did anything happen? I well, no, because, because I mean, a lot of, if you think of consciousness as an ability to respond, like if you, if you look at like Eastern philosophies and stuff like that, like they would totally say, yeah, a rock is conscious. It's just a more primitive form of consciousness because it responds Disagree. It, it takes in, you know, this chair just vibrated. It, oh, I, it, it responded to what I did. Right. I disagree not just with that the chair has any lower level of consciousness, but also that Eastern religion says that. Maybe some of them do, but not as far as I know, like Buddhism or Hinduism. Well, I, like, like I think Dao, if, Taoism. I it, think if you're taking as your, um, your metric of consciousness an ability to respond, then you've redefined the word consciousness to no longer reflect at all what people are trying to talk about. 
Because well, I mean, everything people don't know what they're trying to talk about, though. I think they know better. Th- uh, they have some idea. They they don't think that the ability of matter to vibrate is what they are trying to talk about at all when they try to try to talk about consciousness. Like that's not what when we ask if someone is brain dead, are are they still conscious? We're not asking will they vibrate if we beat on no, them. No, but they're saying will they still respond? That's what we're saying. We're saying will they still respond? And in that sense, that's what I mean by by not necessarily vibrate, but respond. It took an input, which was my force, and it responded with so, an output, which was vibration. The input, no, it, it the input didn't do be, anything. The input could be photons. In that case, my fingernails are as conscious as my brain is. Yeah, I know, and that's a totally valid argument. No, it's not. Disagree. That's redefining <laughs> the word consciousness to be useless. That, that's redefining the word consciousness simply to mean exists as matter. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well. Yeah, you know, no, it... it, it when in, when in doubt, since we've, since we've hit this level of obfuscation with the word, like that's, again, that's why I call it the C word because it draws attention to yeah, it. It's, yeah. it's, it's, so, it's, it's the impossible problem. Yeah, no, we should just, just taboo the word at exactly. this point. Exactly. So, so I think, yeah, exactly. Instead of using consciousness or any uh, obvious like uh, synonyms, we just will change it out for, I'll change it out for subjective experience. Yeah. I don't think that my gotcha. fingernails have subjective gotcha. experience. And so then in that case, Sensory yeah, experience. I would even say subjective, specifically like, again, what it's like to have that experience. So like sensory experience, you know, the, the self-driving cars with their, with their radars have subjective yeah. experience or yeah. they have uh, sensory, they have sensory experience in that they perceive and respond to external stimuli. But I don't think there's anything that's like to be a radar, right? If, if consciousness is, is a process and not a thing, you know, I mean, that, that's, that's, the easy way to look at like AI and stuff like that is that consciousness isn't necessarily like a single point in their system, but it's just through going through the process of like calculating and stuff like that. If that were what consciousness, like this is why it's such the hard problem to say like, Oh, an AI isn't conscious. It's because we just have nowhere to start. We, we, we haven't even started to make, this has been the biggest problem since we, people have started talking. <laughs> Everything's been the biggest problem since we, until we solved it. Right? Yeah. But that said, this sounds like a great conversation for a not post two hours episode. Yeah, so we'll I, didn't mean, I didn't mean to jump us into this. No, no, this no, is no, a it, whole episode. This, this is like a thousand year episode <laughs> yeah. right here if you really wanted to get into it. Yeah, it, it is fun stuff, but I do think that we are over time. Even though we don't have a hard limit, we have a soft limit that we've probably passed. All right, yes. derailed you a little bit there. No, no, that's, that's, I like rabbit holing. <laughs> At least I like it probably more than most people, but once in a while we're totally fine. So, <laughs> so uh, we would like to end by saying, first of all, thank you to our wonderful sound engineer, Kyle. He makes us sound great and puts this in a decent format for everyone. Uh, also, if you would like to comment, you can do that at the subreddit r slash Bayesian conspiracy. The Bayesian conspiracy. Sorry, is the subreddit. Oh, is it? Yeah. Okay. And or on our website, also the Bayesian or you can email us at BayesianConspiracyPodcast at gmail.com. That's it. Yeah. Okay. Good summary. And if you'd like to support us on Patreon, we are always more than happy to have another dollar. That's right. And there's a link to that on our website. Yay. Awesome. Thanks again. And uh, see you guys in a couple weeks. All right. Goodbye. Bye.